Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. Conversations with a nine-year-old daughter about leading. Hi, I'm Julie Middleton, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. For the next three weeks and next three episodes, Priyanka and I had a long conversation about the conversations she has in the car, mostly in her car, with her nine-year-old daughter, Arnavi. They are always about leading and they are utterly delicious. So over the next three weeks, I'm going to share them with you. Priyanka is in Botswana. She is of Indian heritage. And while she is, of course, an expert in early childhood education and in the value of play in that education, it's, it's about her nine-year-old daughter that it's, it's those conversations I became fascinated by. Uh, by the way, I'm really sorry about my voice. It's gone bad again. It'll come back, but it's gone bad again. So don't adjust your speaker. Uh, this is me, just gruff. They tell me it's a very sexy voice. Anyhow, <laughs> over to Priyanka. Priyanka, this is the first in these episodes. We're going to do three. And we're going to call them Conversations with My Nine-Year-Old Daughter. Yeah. Brackets. Who's going to be a leader? Close brackets. Um, and they came because I remember having a conversation about you, thank you, liking the podcast and, and it prompting lots of conversations. But it also came, I think, because you'd been to see the Barbie movie and you went together with your nine-year-old daughter, who is called? Arnavi. Arnavi. Tell me what Arnavi looks like vaguely. Arnavi is super tall um, and she has, um, she looks a lot like me, which I love. Um, she just got braces and she deliberates between hairstyles every couple of months. Um, but um, she's almost always smiling, which is my favorite feature of her. So go on, tell us about the Barbie film. So the Barbie film was something we did on a Sunday afternoon where we just very spontaneously said, we're gonna go watch this movie. We both dressed in all pink and went to the cinema to, to watch this film as a just a mom and daughter girly thing to do. What I had no idea was the months of conversation that it was going to prompt after the film and the types of questions that I now had to be very prepared to answer to my nine-year-old and topics that I think I'm still forming perspectives on because I didn't have these conversations with anyone um, at, at any particular age. So, um, but it's it's amazing how because of the conversations with her, I'm now forming very strong ideas and opinions of my beliefs. But um, that was that was the 
the start of actually all of these conversations about what what does that what does that mean mom and what does that mean for me what does it mean for you and that's what's prompted a whole series of conversations and how we approach our relationship and and i suppose the danger is that we all go to these movies or what read books and just sort of go yeah that was interesting and move on but the need to actually have a proper conversation with your nine-year-old daughter so I think what uh, what was very fortuitous in a way is that the first time Anabi started asking me these very serious questions was when we were driving. And so some of the times when we're driving to her horse riding lessons or to and from school, it's just her and I in the car. So it's a little bit of a special time that we get one on one. And in a way, you can't hide from it. You're not on your phone. You're not busy responding to an email you're not cooking dinner so there's nothing else to do but indulge that conversation during that during that car journey and so the first question she asked me is mom what is the patriarchy and you know and so that was that was what she took away from the barbie movie that was the first conversation after the barbie film that we started to have and when i explained the kind of system of patriarchy historically you know her her next question to me so why have you never told me about this why why is this something that i've never known about and i had to find out about in a film and she held me really accountable to that and she you know and the, and the again the following question was but you've talked to me so much about feminism and you've given me all these rebel girl books to read but you've never told me why it was important. And today I finally know the answer to that, right? Like I find, because she's understood patriarchy, she's now understood why these rebel girl books were important and why we've talked about you being a strong girl is important. Um, and so she felt a little shortchanged by the fact that we hadn't had these conversations before and, and held me really accountable to that, that that's what provoked the fact that I, I dedicated that journey then to saying, we're going to talk about this and I'm going to answer all the questions you have. And it wasn't isolated to that. She, it, It's come up so many times since from the Barbie film about, so mom, what are the hidden aspects of patriarchy? Because that's, that comes up in the movie is, um, you know, there's a, there's a scene in the film where Ken comes into the, the real world and he goes and asks the men, um, what happened to patriarchy? It was so good and you guys don't do that anymore. And a, a man responds and says, oh, oh no, we still do it. We're just better at hiding it. And, um, and you know, rather than ignore that, I, I mean, that, that uh, point really hit home for me, but it's not something I raised with her. It wasn't something that I prompted. She then a few days later came back to me and, you know, at bedtime, said to me so mom are there hidden aspects of patriarchy that still impact your life and, and and it really took me aback that she was thinking about it so much so many days after the film but I also think there's the other learning there is how powerful some of the books and movies that we watch and read or that our daughters watch and read are to prompt some of these conversations her current obsession is Mallory Towers by Enid Blyton and, and when I say it's an obsession as in she reads and rereads and rereads the books and then she's watching the, the tv series and re-watching the tv series and when rather than just being like she's really interested 
actually now since the Barbie film, I'm now using it as, so who are the characters? What do you like about them? What do you relate to them? What do you not like about them? What do you do that you think I, you wouldn't want to do? Um, so the positive and negative sides of all of these um, different uh, books and films uh, that she's, you know, that she's experiencing. Because again, Mallory Towers is all about girls and it's set a hundred years ago in a very traditional British boarding school. And so there's so many ideas there that are really strong and positive. And I think that that whole series was well ahead of its time. And then there are parts of it where, you know, she'll laugh about it and question it, saying, can you imagine it was like this? And, and it's, but, but rather than leaving it and saying, yes, you're so lucky, Arnavi, the, the question that I ask is, so let's think about what had to change over the last 100 years so that it's no longer like this for you or for me. Um, and then equally, sometimes reading a book um, like Malala's Magic Pencil and saying to Arnavi, I should, I should never have to say I, I wish that the world wasn't so that in today's day and age, I should have to say to you, you're so lucky that you get to go to school uh, because that shouldn't be the case. Like that shouldn't be the case that there are girls in the world today that don't get to go to school. And I can draw an example to you to say, be grateful for what you have. That is, that is just not the world that, you know, we should be talking about right now. And, and so those are the kinds of conversations that about girls leadership and I want to say girls leadership not women's leadership that I'm really excited to be having with my daughter all prompted from the Barbie film I think so did the Barbie film also prompt things where you had to sort of draw her back from where the Barbie film was taking her to I think that it definitely glamorized um pink obviously um that was a big big aspect and and i don't know if it's positive or negative in that there's parts that you want her to embrace that uh you know femininity of her um herself if she wants to but there was the point about the high heels the conformity to dress a certain way to look a certain way what makes you know there was weird barbie right and so um you know there's there's that whole question of weir weird barbie in the film and and about inclusivity. And I think that, you know, how she initially was so excluded because she didn't look like she didn't conform to um, any of the other bar the image of Barbie. Um, but how, you know, even even President Barbie, who is, you know, a different ethnicity, is still gorgeous, right? She's still drop dead female gorgeous. Um, and she's really glamorized to be so. So I think those were the sides where, um, I had to rein her in because she she that that can be that can be seen as um what you want to like the ambition um but uh, what I think was also interesting was you know the Barbie film talks about the high heels and all of that and how the feet have to be a certain way at a certain arch and angle and that's you know really addressed in the film and at the end what I found really uh awesome for us because it's a reflection of the way I dress is, you know, when she Barbie ends in Birkenstocks and, um, and Anavi suddenly had this, like the shock moment of Barbie wears shoes like you now, you know, at the end. And, um, and this whole idea that there's, there's something um, really powerful in the simplicity of 
flip-flops. Um, and what what is that? And why did it take her the whole movie to get there? What what was the message there? What was she defying to, in the end, come out in her Birkenstocks and own, and own that? And Tell me the next thing that you started discussing with your nine-year-old daughter, probably in a car somewhere. Definitely in the car. Um, But I think what we started talking about, because she, again, had raised it as to, mom, you've made me read all these rebel girl books, um, but without ever talking about the patriarchy, was actually, so so who are some of those women or girls in the rebel girl books that you really admire and look up to? And and why is that? And, um, and so we started talking about really positive female role models, not just real life women from the books, but also women that she meets and experiences uh, through personal relationships, so, you know, not just in the family, but even our social circle and, um, you know, her friends' moms or my friends or, you know, just anybody that she encounters that she feels like, wow, that that's somebody that when I grow up, maybe there's an aspect of them that I'd really like to learn or you know practice or inculcate and uh, and that was another conversation that we started having is to when you're thinking about how you want to grow up and this is this is the conversation about positive female role models it's not who you want to be or who you want to be like um, or what job you want to have or what job you want to be it's um, what kind of person do you want to be and what kind of things do you want to do, no matter what career you have? Um, and and those were the conversations that we started having when we started talking about Malala or uh, Simone Biles or, um, you know, uh, Coco Chanel. And, you know, th- these are the kinds of women she's reading about. And, you know, the, the whole point is you don't have to go and be the next UN advocate for girls' education. You don't have to go and be the next world famous gymnast, but what have you learned from them that when you grow up, whatever you're doing, you're practicing um, some of those skills. And it was really interesting because from her perspective, it was different things from each of these people. And um, and um, I remember when she started her school year, she uh, there was a a big um a big painting uh, that she had to do in class and everybody had to write about one thing that they wanted to remind themselves or they wanted to achieve or they wanted to do um by the end of the year and anavi's painting was a painting of herself and she wrote underneath it to say i love myself just the way that i am because i am enough and uh, you know and this is when she was still eight and I asked her about that and she said I couldn't pick one thing because I am so many things and she related it back to these girls and she says I am fun and creative like Frida Kahlo I am resilient and brave like Malala I am and she's taken different qualities or traits from all these positive female role models that she reads about and made each one of them um, something that she can relate to and she's created her own version of herself based on on that um but what what i think um you know we've been talking about is rather than just what is the story of these 
women? What did they do? What was their achievement? And the, the conversation is very different. It's what are their qualities and traits that made them a leader? What do you like and dislike about that? What do you think you can relate to? Um, so I think those those are the conversations that we had about those positive female role models as opposed to achievement, you know, specific. I remember you telling me that you, you'd stopped asking girls what they wanted to do when they grew up. And now you were asking girls, what problem do you want to solve when you yes. grow up? Yeah. Um, and that and that also came from another conversation with Anavi, where she, since she was about three or four, and as I said, she loves nature and wildlife. She, when we asked her this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was a conservation biologist. It was very big words for a four-year-old. And she was very proud that she could say these words. And everybody celebrated and applauded this um, rigorous career that would be in science and research and conservation and something that takes her into the rough outdoors. And I think traditionally what is seen as a quite a male or masculine career um, and then as she's grown, she's got this tremendous potential interest and excitement over other um, other interest areas. So she's got a sewing machine as her ninth birthday gift from her grandparents, and she has sewing lessons, and she loves it, and she's wonderfully creative with it. Um, and she's won three gold medals last week in gymnastics in a in a competition in Botswana. But when whenever I you know, in passing, ask the question, so would you ever think about being a fashion designer when you grow up? Or would you ever think about being a gymnast when you grow up? She will turn around to me quite aggressively and say, no, those are hobbies. They're not, they're not jobs. They're not careers. I won't do that. It's not serious enough. Um, and so again, kind of in the car going through in this like special time, you know, I'll ask her, why do you think that? Where does that come from? And she's got the sense of these kind of careers are frivolous. They're 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 not serious ambitions. Um, and on on one hand, you know, I want to nurture ambition in my daughter. I that was not the case. Um, it was my parents nurtured ambition for me until I had children, and then once I had children. I was supposed to curtail that ambition and prioritize motherhood um, over ambition, and that was so different to the way I was raised that I, I just couldn't, I, I really struggled with the different messages that I had received my whole life. And then, you know, that that was cut short and like, oh, your ambitions mean nothing anymore because you've become a mother. Um, and so there's, there's the one side where I want to push ambition and make sure she's proud of her ambition and her drive. But um, the reason that I changed the conversation to what problem do you want to solve was she she's really you know she's really passionate about the environment and so that when I asked her that question I said you know what Anavi I'm going to change the question I'm not going to ask you why don't you want to be a a fashion designer or anything was uh, what fashion what problem do you want to solve and for, again very clearly it was climate change conservation those are the problems that I want to be involved in in the future and I and then just again very you know just put the question forward and I said so what if you were the world's leading fashion designer using only organic clothing um, or, you know, sustainable fashion, sustainable fabrics. And you're talking about slow fashion, not high end stuff, not the stuff that changes every three months. Um, but you are the fashion designer leading a movement 
about that. And, and actually, she not to say that she's changed her mind, but it just provoked so much more conversation and thought around the fact that what could be seen as a frivolous career versus a serious career or a science-based career versus a liberal arts-based career, a masculine career versus a feminine career, it was no longer about those labels. It was about the problem. And then... Of course, if I'm solving that problem, whether as a conservation biologist or as a fashion designer, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still working towards that area. And so that was one of the reasons we changed. Like I just changed how to ask that question. Um, and I, you know, and I really encourage parents everywhere to ask that question because I think it it it's it provokes so much more diversity in thinking as opposed to traditional careers. Um but it's also, you know, I think it's, I think what's, what comes out of it is this sense of possibility, right? Um, and so it's showing your child that, that they, they have the agency, the choices, the possibility, the opportunities to be a part of what the world's problems are. Um, but I also think the other side to that is they've got to know what those problems are. And those are other conversations or experiences that you need to have when your children are still young. Um, so just because she's exposed to the environment consistently, she now knows what it is. She spends a lot of time in nature. We talk about wildlife conservation, Botswana had the heat wave of 42, 43 degrees last week. So we talk about climate change. But at the same time, I work in emergency settings or refugee contexts. So, and it, it's not something that I shy away from discussing with both my kids. My son is six, but they're problems that I think they have to know about from a young age, because if they're going to be asked, which they will by grandparents or anybody well-meaning, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, I think they have to know the border wall context that they're growing up in. So if you're going to ask the question, then what problem do you want to solve? You can't be limited to the one problem you're, you happen to know about. I so much want to be in your car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd quite like you to do, please, conversations with 65-year-old women in the car. Too, <laughs> I'm next. I think that your last point in this particular episode and and we're going to pick this up again next week um your last one is is conversations about those role models but you are really really clear that they need to be a diverse set of role models don't they yeah and i mean diverse in in all possible ways so diverse in where in the world they come from um, and I think that's something that has to be very deliberate and conscious because unfortunately, the mass media that we're exposed to, the books that we have access to, the movies that we watch, they're, they're usually one-sided. They're a very Western perspective of what these positive female role models uh, are. And, and it's very achievement focused. Um, and I, so I think it, it, it needs deliberate time, effort, and thought into choosing what you're exposing your daughter to as to who these positive role models are and finding 
the books or the movies or the examples and experiences that you can share with your with your children, especially your, your daughter, um, about about women from all walks of life, a variety of countries, ethnicities, um, abilities, um, different fields of success. Um, and this is where we've started talking about famous gymnasts and fashion designers as well, and artists. Um, and interestingly enough, all of them from different um, backgrounds, not just Western women. Um, and um, and I think that's that's the one side of diversity. And then the other side of, uh, of diversity is what they look like. Uh, and it comes back to the Barbie film, and I think it's interesting how so much relates to that. But it, a lot of the books and pictures, again, glamorize the, the, the women in these positions. And the photos of them are these beautiful photos that they're made up in, or they're portraits um, of them if there weren't photographs available. Um, but I think there's something to be said about the diversity of women that you expose your daughter to that are not always made up and aren't in the most beautiful clothing and wearing jewelry. And so that's another aspect of diversity that we've been really conscious about exposing her, uh, exposing her to. I'm, I'm assuming she hasn't yet raised the appalling conversation about skin lightening creams. No, and I and I feel so grateful. On one hand, I don't live in India, right? Because that I think if I lived in India, she would have um, by nine. It's everywhere. It's in all adverts and messaging uh, all all over the country. But in in luckily in Botswana, that is not something that she's exposed to. And a lot of these conversations are conversations she leads. So she comes with, I want to talk about this, and so it's about giving her the freedom and space to talk about those rather than me saying this is what's important to me and I want to make sure you know about it um, by the time you're nine. And and I think there's a, there's a reason for that. If there are conversations that I drive and control. Those are usually because from a child protection or safeguarding or uh, exposure that I want to make sure that I've uh, had with her. And they're less from the perspective of leadership. Uh, whereas when she comes up with these conversations, A, just to give her that that ownership that she drives them that's in itself this opportunity for her to feel that she has the control like you know she's taking the lead um but but the other is uh, interestingly they're all related majority of the time to what i believe is girls leadership and um but she hasn't raised that and i think and i think that she will and part of that is culture so she will watch indian films with me and you know with her grandparents and in the movies and the media, it comes up. Um, she will start doing her own shopping and she'll go to the supermarkets or the pharmacies and the you know beauty stores to buy her own makeup and she'll see them there. And so I have no doubt those conversations are coming. Um, but at this stage, luckily she hasn't in a way. I hope you're loving this conversation, Priyanka. Um, you're possibly enjoying it more than I am, because for me, with um, three daughters in their 30s, I'm largely looking backwards and thinking of all the lost moments and all those conversations I fluffed or missed out on. But um, hey-ho.
Uh, next week, we have the second in the Priyanka series, and it's about tomboys and girly girls and who's leading and who is really following. And, and also about how leaders learn to win well. In the meantime, sending lots and lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in.